Thanks for tuning in to the New Life South Coast podcast. We want to extend an invitation to sit in live with us during our weekend service. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message inspires you, but also challenges you in your walk with God. For more information, visit our website at newlifesouthcoast.com. Now here's Pastor Marco with an encouraging word. Anybody feel like having some church in this place? Welcome to church, y'all. If you came from a nice little quiet church, well, welcome. We're glad you're here. We believe in celebrating the goodness of the Lord in this place. And in a few minutes, we're going to baptize some amazing people. God bless you guys. Congratulations. It's a beautiful celebration. 9.30, we dedicated some babies to Jesus. We had an awesome time. Are you guys ready for God's word, though? Because we're going to take care of some business today. Tell your neighbor, this is about to get real. It's about to get real. We need to take care of some business. If you're going to grow in God's will and purpose, you got to handle God's business. I want to talk to you today about spiritual warfare. I want to let you know there's a demon out there out to get you. There is an enemy of your soul. He doesn't like you. He doesn't like your family. He doesn't like your community. And he's going to try to wreak havoc when he wants to. But I'm here to declare to you that as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. Not today. Not today. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6. I'm telling you, I, I came ready today. I came to chop off some head of some demons in this place, and I came to equip us with God's word, amen? There's a war going on, whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, it's happening. Now it's up to you how you go about it, and my prayer as your, as your pastor is to equip you to know how to handle these warfares, because you're going through it right now. It's not, it's not if, it's when, and, and it's happening as we speak. Can you say amen? amen. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray that God's going to help us get the word in us because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Can you say amen? Amen. Ephesians 6, you can leave it open there because we're going to go back to it. But I want to start by reading a few verses here to get us going. The scripture says this, Ephesians 6, chapter 10, verse 10 says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm. Tell your neighbor, stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. You're not fighting your boss tomorrow morning. There are spirits that are trying to lure you in. You're not fighting your wife. You're not fighting your husband. You're not fighting your kids. You're not even fighting New Bedford. Some of y'all not getting it. New Bedford's not the problem. It's the spirits in New Bedford that we need to fight. But against evil rulers and authorities, the unseen world, against mighty powers in, the, in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places, can you say amen? Could you hand me my water over there, please? I want you to know right off the bat that when we read something like this, There's a part of us who says, come on now, is this for real? 
This is why the Bible seems so antiquated, so old school. Demons, angels, come on, is this really real life? You know, we, this is 2018, we got Wi-Fi. You know, we have the internet, we have AC. Why are we still talking about things that sound so old school and old fashioned? This is why the Bible cannot be the word of God. But I would encourage you this morning to maybe consider looking around you and tell me if there's not more that meets the eye around you. I don't know about you, but there's not a day that goes by you don't hear about some vicious war in the world. There's not a day that we don't see in the ugly face of racism in our society. There's not a day we're not seeing corrupt politicians. You don't know who to trust anymore. There's not a day that goes by without another sexual scandal in the church and outside of the church. There's not a day that goes by that one of someone that you don't know has been victimized by drug abuse. All of us have been affected by this evil that's taking people's life left and right. And some of you in this room are fighting that demon as we speak. So many people are losing their families. So many divorces in the church and outside the church. You know the divorce rate in the church and outside the church is the same. 50% of marriages ain't in divorce. And you're wondering, is that normal? Is that okay? Broken families, broken homes, broken neighborhoods. And, and to make matters worse, we're broken. Depression, suicidal thoughts, so many different demonic oppression. So you tell me if the, if the Bible is wrong. You tell me where this stuff comes from. Because some people want to dismiss it like it's no, no big deal. And before I go any further, I'd like to, to let you know that when it comes to this topic, there are extremes. Right? And i like to cover that right off the bat so we all know I'm not talking about extremes. There's one side of this that says there's no such thing. Right? All you need is the right environment. You will thrive. But then you find out that people who suffer from drug abuse come from nice environments too. Doctors are struggling with drug abuse. You know, uh, lawyers are struggling with drug abuse. So it's not a matter of nice environment or income. Listen, demons don't discriminate where you're from, where old you are, where neighborhood you come from. They're coming to destroy your life. So we can ignore it and pretend it's not there and you will love that. Because then he can do whatever he, can, he wants to do, wreak havoc whenever he wants to, because it's not real. If it's not real, then you can't, you can't overcome it. But then there's the other extreme. There are some people that everything is of the devil. You ever meet those people? I like to call these people the my mama said theology. You ever watch Waterboy? My mama said, fool's ball is of the devil. Everything. Some people, you cannot have a conversation without the devil coming up. Like, why do we have to talk about that? So I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about over-the-top spiritual religious people who everything is of the devil. And I'm not talking about, you know, pretending nothing is there. What I want to talk to you about is what does the Bible have to say about this topic? Because the Bible is God's word to us. And the Bible withstands the test of time because truth doesn't change just because time changed. Hello, somebody. And truth is not truth because you feel like it. Truth is just truth, no matter what. And so it's important that we understand that we are in a spiritual warfare. I'm going to title this message, Behind Enemy Line. Because it's pretty obvious that there is a battle going on for our souls as we speak. Have you ever asked the question, why is it so much harder to do the right things? Why is it that every time I want to do the right thing, it's, a, it's an uphill battle? How come it doesn't come easy to me? Why is it that every time I'm trying to lose weight, I can't stop eating ice cream? 
that's not the devil, that's just you. <laughs> I'm just trying to set you up. Because I can see some of y'all, the devil won't let me stop eating ice cream. The devil made me do it. No, the devil can't make you do anything. He can only suggest it to you. Okay. So you can never lose the devil as an excuse, but you need to discern what he's trying to do in your life. We are introduced to this concept of evil. In the, first, the, the third chapter of the Bible in Genesis 3, we see that Adam and Eve was giving a beautiful garden. Now, this, this garden was more than just your little tiny garden in the backyard. This was a garden as big as a country. God gave them a place to explore, to live, to enjoy, to just do life. And they were there for many years until one day someone came and suggested that they do something that God said not to do. God says, you can have everything in this garden. All of it is yours. You just don't touch that one tree over there, which was a test to see, would you obey me? Would you listen to me? Because I, I, I want what's best for you. And what does the enemy say? Did God really say that? See, the enemy never comes to your life and says, hey, I'm here to ruin your life. He's always suggesting that his option is better than God's option for your life. That's why this warfare is way more subtle, is way more smart than just the caricature of, a, of someone in red tights in pitchfork. This is a very, very, very smart enemy who studies you and knows what would get you to get away from God's will. Why? Because he was cast down from heaven. Because he wanted to be God. And so he says, you will be just like God. In other words, the greatest temptation in life is to take the place of God. It's to live a life independent from the will of God. That's the greatest temptation we all face. And we all think at some point we can do life without God. And all of us have tried it. Christian or not, all of us have tried to do life without God. And you got to wonder, the question is, who is luring us away from God? Again, he can't make you do anything. He can only suggest things that sound appealing. Think about it, though. How crazy is it to have a, a country but to fall over a tree? Isn't it interesting? God can give us everything, but we have a tendency to want the thing that he said maybe it's not good for you. I'm preaching good now. Y'all ain't going to talk to me now. Isn't it the greatest temptation of life is to always feel like it's not good enough? Hmm. You're married, but it's not good enough. You're making money, but it's not good enough. You have kids, but it's not good enough. Sometimes, the, the, sometimes I believe the enemy makes sure you have everything that you want to, to realize that that's all the stuff that you don't need. Oh, my God, I'm preaching so good. I'll preach to myself. I'm about to get myself saved today. We are in a spiritual warfare. We have to be careful with extremes, but also we can't be naive. Ignorance is not bliss. There is an enemy, and he's after you. The scripture says this. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Everything that God wants to do in your life right now, he's trying to steal it from you. He's trying to destroy it. And he's not, he's not, he doesn't play nice. He wants to make sure he annihilates you. Like he wants to kill you. He wants to make sure that you have the same demise that he's going to have. That's his way of trying to get back to God. Right? It's a mystery how this whole thing works. But it's a reality that all of us are facing if you're paying attention. Can you say amen? So we live behind enemy's line. In other words, we live, in, we live on earth, but earth is not a playground. Earth is a battleground. 
And you don't realize it's a battleground until your eyes are open to the reality of a spiritual warfare. And sometimes you're like, man, I gave my life to Jesus and all hell broke loose. Yes, because now you are behind enemy line. And catch this. I hope you understand this is a compliment to you. The fact that all hell broke loose, you became a threat now to the enemy. And if you don't have any warfare going on, it's because he's already got you. I tell every Christian, be, be smart. If there's nothing going on in your life for a few weeks, you, you may not be a threat anymore. I don't know about you. I want to get up in the morning every day, and I want hell to know the threat is awakened. And I'm about to make some things happen today in Jesus' name because no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. If God is for me, who can be against me? Not today. I'm locked and loaded. I'm ready to fight. And if, and if he's going to get you, he's got to come through Jesus. But if you don't have Jesus, you have no defense. So, so if life is not what you expect it to be, welcome to the battlefield. I like to tell people Christianity is not a cruise ship. It's a battleship. You better man your station and fight back. Right? If all you want was a vacation, then you should have never gotten saved. Y'all ain't got to talk to me today. See, Jesus said he came on a rescue mission to rescue us from the grips of the enemy. You see, most people get Jesus wrong. Most people get Christianity wrong. Matter of fact, I would say most people get half of Christianity all they talk about, Jesus died for my sins. And that's true. He died to forgive you of your sins. But he didn't die for you to keep staying in your sins. The other half of the gospel is Jesus came to destroy the power of the enemy over your life. So you don't have to keep making the same mistakes and fall for the same lies. And keep being broken and keep being hurting. The devil is a liar. Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy over your life. So if all you got is forgiveness, you got half of the gospel. The other half is Jesus came to make sure you live above the level of sin and mediocrity. And I can prove it to you. Here's what the scripture says. It says, but when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil. Who has been sinning since the beginning. Remember, sinning is missing the mark. It's missing the point of why you were created. But the son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. That's why every time you see Jesus come face to face with a demon, Jesus never bows. The demon always bows. Why? Because at the name of Jesus, every knee's got to bow on heaven and on earth. Jesus, I want you to know today, Jesus has authority over that demon of addiction. Jesus has authority over divorce. Jesus has authority over poverty. Jesus has authority over depression. Jesus has authority over suicide. Sometimes you got to lay hands on yourself and say, Jesus, come over me right now and empower me to break the chains of lies and addictions. Destroy the works of the enemy from my life, from my family's life. I want to be free. I want to live a free life. I'm not going to settle just for forgiveness. I need power to live the life you created me to live. Am I preaching today? My God. 
don't think Jesus created church for just some nice cute people to do a nice cute thing on Sunday mornings. I believe Jesus created the church for us to make some business happen on heaven and on earth. For us to destroy things. For us to cancel our demons and cancel lies. Cancel defeats. Stop talking like you're defeated. You better be a, a victor in Jesus' name. My God. That's the full gospel. I want the full gospel. I don't want half the gospel. I want freedom. I want to live my life above the level of sin and mediocrity. I don't want to make excuses for my sin. I want to overcome my sins. My God. He came on a rescue mission and he leaves you here to say, now you are part of that rescue mission. You have power to declare over your life, over your family's life, over your community's life. We didn't come to New Bedford to do a cute little church. We came to wreak some havoc in this place. In the name of Jesus, we came to see people free and and restore and bless. And you're going to see 23 people say, Jesus has changed my life. My God. Jesus is still changing lives. I'm not going to settle for cute religion who does nothing that can even heal my headaches. You ever seen Christians always hurting, always struggling, can't overcome anything? The devil is a liar. You were made to be overcomer. You are a conqueror, says Jesus. Now, you win a war. When you win a war, you have to know how the enemy works. Because no one goes to a war without doing some homework. You have to know how he works. Because if you don't, you will fight all the wrong battles. I see it every day. People not knowing the tactics of the enemy will just swing at anything. That's why dudes will try to beat you up physically, but they don't put up a fight for their marriage. They don't put up a fight for their children. So, yeah, you can knock me out physically, but can you knock out that divorce? Can you knock out that addiction in your life? Can you knock out that lust in your life? That's the battle you need to be fighting. I don't care how much you can, you can bench press in the gym. Can you bench press depression? Can you bench press suicide? Can you be able to bounce those things off of you and say, in Jesus' name, you got to go. I'm looking for some dudes who are jacked in the spirit. Dudes who are like, I'm ready for a fight. Come hell or high water, Jesus is my Lord. Can you say amen? You got to know your enemy. You got to know what you're dealing with. Because tomorrow morning you go to work, you fight your boss. But you don't realize your boss is fighting something. And because he doesn't know what he's fighting, he'll swing at anything. (laughs) See it every day. People just swinging at anything. Go on Facebook. People just taking swings. (laughs) Your boss is struggling. Instead of you understanding, like, I need to be praying for him. I need to come alongside him and help him on his battle. Now you're fighting your boss. You don't fight and rest. We're not fighting people. We're fighting Demons and spirits who are trying to lure us away from the will of God. The person next to you is not your enemy. You know how smart the enemy is to make us turn on each other as opposed to being a strength of each other. We're supposed to strengthen each other, encourage each other, bless each other, pray for each other, speak life over each other. Don't speak negativity over each other. So if you're taking notes, you got to know this. I want to share with you four tactics of the enemy. You know this because he's using one of them right now in your life. I can guarantee you if you're paying attention. I'm going to give you four tactics of the enemy. And we're going to talk about it. You can leave that up there until I'm done with it. Four things I want you to pay attention to. Isolation, quick fixes, busyness, and numbness. 
is using one of these things in your life as we speak. Now, let me break down each one of these. Isolation. In war, the first thing that the enemy tries to do to the opponent is to cut the line of communication. When we went into Iraq, I'll never forget it. When we bombed Iraq, and they said the goal of this is shocking off. We're going to bomb them so hard, and we're going to hit all the power lines, everything, to cut their communication so they are in the dark. Understand this. The enemy will love to isolate you. Because if he can isolate you from God, if he can isolate you from God's people, then he can destroy you. He wants to cut your line of communication. What are your lines of communication? First thing the enemy tries to take away from you is your prayer life. Because he knows that's your first line of communication. As long as you're talking to God, there's life. When you stop talking to God, then you start talking to something else. So watch this, right? What does he do? He says to you, what's the point of praying? It's not working. What's the point? You've tried. Pay attention to those voices. Because anything that can get you from stop talking to God, you're going to start talking to your depression. Next thing you know, you will agree with your depression. The depression turns into suicidal thoughts. Why? Because he came to kill, steal, and destroy. Recognize that isolation will never, ever accomplish anything worth in your life. Pay attention to it. The first thing that he's trying to do is take you from away from praying. Listen, you don't pray because you feel like it. You pray because you have to pray. You need to pray. You can't live life without praying. And I don't care how you pray, you just got to pray. I was talking to someone the other day. They're like, I'm mad at God. I said, that's a good prayer. As long as you're saying something to God, there's life going on. So you're mad, tell God I'm mad. You're angry, tell God you're angry. You're upset, tell God you're upset. He's a big boy. He can handle it. Because in a moment, as you begin to tell God I'm mad, I'm angry, then your mind will begin to shift. Yeah, but you're good to me, and I love you. You're for me, and if you're for me, who can be against me? And then your worship will begin to take place. You begin to praise. You begin to get out of depression, get out of suicide, get out of loneliness. My God, I feel like preaching today. That's the life promised to you. Victory life. Never talk to your depression. You talk at your depression. Never with your depression. Never talk with your poverty. Don't sit with poverty. And say it is what it is. No, it is what it used to be. But my God can do exceedingly above. We can never ask or think of. He's going to turn this thing around. Never stop talking to God. And never isolate yourself from God's people. He knows there's strength in numbers. He knows, like, you don't have to go to church every time. You don't have to be a fanatic. You don't have to, oh, Jesus, thing. You can do a little bit. Isn't it funny? He tells you to do a little bit of church, but he tells you, do a whole lot of the world. Just indulge in it. Just go ahead. Bathe yourself in the world. Bathe yourself in addiction. Bathe yourself in lust. Bathe yourself in everything that's going to destroy you. But do a little bit of church. Just a little bit of church. Are y'all waking up this morning? 
Because he knows every time you step into God's house, you may not feel it, but the fact that you're here in the presence of God, things are coming off of you. Chains are being released from you. Lies are being taken off of you. He doesn't want you to get in the house because he knows when you get in the house, you become a threat to him and to everything that he stands for. So I tell you today, don't let the devil isolate you from God's people. There's strength in numbers. Isn't it funny? Why is it that when it comes to that, we don't quit other things? How come the voice doesn't say, stop hanging out with those boys that are just not a good influence? How come he doesn't say, uh, maybe instead of quitting church, how about you quit poker night? How about you quit Zumba night? How about you quit scrolling and start reading? How about you quit this for this? Why is it that we wait till it's time to go to bed to try to read this and we fall asleep? Oh, y'all ain't going to talk to me. And then we wonder why we can't discern. It's trying to isolate you. I'm seeing it do it a lot lately. Take some time off and go do what? Where are we going? You ever ask yourself the question? Where are we going? You know a rose looks good when you pluck them out. For a couple of weeks, you give someone a rose, it's beautiful. But check on that rose a month later. It's dead. Why? Because the rose is meant to live with the source of your strength. You're meant to be with God's people, with the source of your strength. When he told Adam and Eve, you're not going to die. Yeah, they didn't die right away. Kill them slothfully. Beware of isolation. It's to try to pick you off, to finish you off. Second thing he wants to do is quick fixes. Because when you're in a bind, you want something quick. You know how many people have become addicts because of a quick fix? Do you know how many people, instead of working on their marriage, got into an affair for a quick fix? Oh, y'all ain't going to talk to me. You know how many people are in jail right now because of a quick fix? Made a lot of money in 10 minutes, but paid 10 years for it. Anytime... It's in a, ru- in a hurry, I guarantee you, it ain't God. God is never in a hurry. He always takes his time because he's a God of perfection. He does things perfect, and it takes time to reach perfection. Never take a shortcut. It ain't God. Quick fixes. Got a lot of people hurting. Quick fixes. The second thing is, third thing is busyness. We think busyness is a badge of honor. But the problem with busyness is this. Business puts all, this, all the focus on you. You're making this happen. You're the man. You're the one. 80 hours a week, 100 hours a week. And notice, every overtime comes on the days you're supposed to be doing something for the church. Oh, y'all don't pay attention. It's when we have an event that you have overtime. It's when you're doing really good in God that all of a sudden a, a, a nice shift opens up on Sunday mornings. I'm here to declare to you, God is the one that can provide for all your needs. Not every overtime is worth it overtime. I don't want to be busy and miss God. Because sometimes we're busy working for the people that we say we love, but we're neglecting them. The very people we say, we're doing this for you. And now you're angry at them because they're angry at you for not spending time with them. The devil is a liar. God, family, church. God, family, church. 
Money is not a problem. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. Money is a great resource, a terrible God. Money will make you bow down to things you would never bow down to if you were serving God. Come on, talk to me. Don't be too busy to, not to take time to say, God, I'm here to thank you for all that you've done for me, all the blessings that you have received. You may not do one more thing for me, but you've done enough for me, and I'll continue to praise you for who you are. Beware of number four. It's happening so much right now. Numbness. The enemy wants to make you numb to the things that matter. And you know what he's using? Number one thing he's using right now? Entertainment. Go home and numb your mind. Don't think about anything. To the point that you don't even discern what's right, what's wrong anymore. We live and die by this thing now. Instead of using this thing, it's using us. Now you don't have to go to a, to a store to get a, a, a porn magazine. You can just load it right here. Now, we're, we're, instead of this thing being useful, it's using us. And it's putting a bait on us. It's putting chains on us. Chains of addiction. Chains of porn. Oh, y'all ain't going to talk to me today. But this thing is numbing your mind. You got to stop and say, if I'm going to quit something, let me quit the things that's numbing my mind. Why don't we quit going to a club? Oh, y'all ain't going to talk to me. Why don't we quit drinking? Why don't we quit hanging out with the people that were pulling us into the ways of the world instead of quitting the things of God? How about I say, no, 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 less clubbing, more churching. No, less, less scrolling, more reading. Less gossiping, more praying. How about I quit those things? God's people, we're supposed to be distinct. When you're numb, you become like everybody else. So what you go to church, but you have no power. So what you go to church, you talk like everybody else, you're addicted like everybody else, you're hurting like everybody else, and you use the same excuse as everybody else. We're not perfect. And we never grow into the people of God to be distinct. We don't make the church a new normal just for a cute shirt. We're trying to tell you, you pay attention. You're not the old self anymore. You're a new person. The old is gone. The new has come. So let me, let me recap because I got to take my time today. This is important. Isolation is to cut the line of communication. Quick fixes, it always leads to a dead end street. Busyness, never stop to reflect and be still and know that God is God. Numbness is to desensitize you to sin so you can blend in with the world and have no power to change anything. That's the saddest thing about church. People in church with no power. Because they were overcome by everything. But the good news is, we can win this thing. And this is where I want to get to. The Bible says you have weapons to fight back. And I want to show it to you. Scripture says this. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons. Not worldly weapons. In other words, you know what the worldly weapons is? Ah, i just fight anything. No, we're strategic. To knock down strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. This is a good one. Because a lot of the stuff he's feeding you is false. But how are you going to know it if you don't have the right weapons to fight with? Strongholds are in your mind. Strongholds are the things that the enemy has built up in your mind for so long. All of us are unique, all different. Some of us, it's a stronghold of depression that's been there for so long. 
Some of us, it's addictions. Lust, pride, all the stuff that keeps you from God's will are right there in your mind. And what do we do? We agree with them. Instead of calling it for what it is, we make excuses for them. The Bible says, no, 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 you don't, you don't agree with them. A bird can fly over your head. You can't help that. But if a bird sits on your head and builds a nest, that's on you. You can't help some thoughts from coming to your head, but it doesn't mean you have to entertain every single thought that comes to your head. It's up to you to bounce that thought away from you. That's why the Bible says you have the power to reject that thought. You have the power to reject depression. You have the power to reject pride, to reject ego, to say that's not going to come in and build this nest. And the worst thing you can say is, it's just the way I am. Because he wants you to agree with that. You, you should say, yeah, I used to be that way. But Jesus has changed my life, changed my confession, changed my thinking. And now I can defeat anything that comes against the will of God in my life. Because I'm not a victim to them. I am a victor in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? So we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. And we capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. I love that capture. The word capture there is the same word we use for handcuff. Say some things in your mind, you need to handcuff them. You ever watch cops, bad boys? What you going to do? And they just grab them and they throw them against the roof and they handcuff them. That's the image that God's trying to give you for anything that comes to your mind that's not God's will. You're supposed to handcuff that thing. You're supposed to say, no, no, not in my house. This is not going to happen in my mind. Not going to happen in my heart. You got to handcuff that bitterness. You got you to handcuff that anger. You got to handcuff anything that tries to hold you back from God's will. Don't think it's normal. Not in God's economy. It's not normal. The Bible goes on to say that you need discernment. You know what discernment is? To me, discernment is one of the greatest gifts of the Holy Spirit we need to ask for. A lot of times people are just talking about, hey, I, I want to preach. I want to lead worship. But it's like... You can do those things, but if you don't have discernment, sooner or later it's going to get to you. Discernment is the ability to make wise judgments. I want to remind you again, he never comes to say, I'm here to ruin your life. Discernment is to be able to say, wait, is this God? Is this the right move for me? Discernment will help you ask some questions that are very important. Listen, is this voice from God? The sermon will help to, to ask questions like, is this person legit? When you have the sermon, you'll understand that anytime you're talking to someone, there's two conversations happening. What they're saying with their mouth and what they're saying with their spirit. If you have the sermon, they can say all the right things, but their spirit are saying all the wrong things. Pay attention to that discernment that God has given you. You're about to walk into a place, you're like, I don't know though. And we go, uh, uh. pay attention. There's a reason why you have those gut checks. I believe in it. I believe it's, you know, it's going to sound weird to you, but it's the Holy Spirit going, ah, no. Stop. Discernment will keep you from making dumb moves. Because the sensitation is this. The frog in a pan has no clue that even though he's accustomed to the temperature, the temperature is actually killing him softly. Some people are getting killed softly, not even realizing it. And then they wake up, they're like, I don't know what happened. Lack of discernment. 
Look what scripture says in Hosea. It says this about the sermon. It says, let those who are wise understand these things. Because if you're not wise, everything I'm saying, you're like, yeah, whatever. Church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's on you. Let those with the sermon listen carefully. The paths of the Lord are true and right. And righteous people live by walking in them. But those paths, sinners stumble and fall. Discernment is the difference between a good move and a godly move. Discernment, ah, I you catch this. Discernment is the difference between right and almost right. There's right and then there's almost. Let me get practical. Discernment is what says to you, yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm feeling you too. But we ain't married. I know I can make this quick buck. No one will ever know. But I do. I can't live with myself. Discernment is, yeah, that's a good job, good paying job. But it's going to keep me away from my family. I think I'm going to trust God on this one. Discernment doesn't jump on everything that looks good. Can I prove it to you? Jesus was having a conversation. With Peter. You know Peter, the loudmouth out of all the disciples, always have something to say. Jesus asked him a question to the disciples. He says, who do people say I am? They're like, some people think you're a teacher. Some people think you're a prophet. But Peter was like, yeah, but I know you are the son of the living God. And Jesus said, whoa, Peter, you didn't get that from you. That was the spirit. Because only the spirit can reveal that to you. Some people know Jesus as teacher or prophet, but they'll never know him as savior. So it was a powerful moment, right? So Jesus is like, okay, now that you understand that, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to Jerusalem, and I'm not coming back. I'm going to die for the sins of the world. This is my destiny. I was created. I came to earth to die for the sins of the world. This is my destiny. And Peter, once again, begins to say, no, God, you can't. Jesus, you can't do that. That's crazy. We got a good thing going here. The movement is spreading. People are believing. You can't, you can't do that. Good intention, Peter. Loves Jesus. Doesn't want Jesus to get hurt. He's trying to be a good friend here. And you know what Jesus says to him? Can I show it to you? Discernment. Jesus says to Peter, Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. My friends, it is the sermon that's going to keep you in the will of God. Because there's a lot of good intentioned people who will lure you away from God's will. Why? Because they're not discerning that there's a different voice speaking to them. See, Jesus wasn't talking to Peter. You notice he said, get away from me, Satan. Yeah, you're trying to use my friend to get me away from the will of God, but it's not going to happen. Not today. I'm about to mess you up. Be aware of familiar voices with the wrong spirits. Oh, they mean well to you, but they don't have the spirit of God. So they're just telling you what they know. I told you, you can be sincere and be wrong. Peter was sincere here, but he was wrong. 
I don't take advice from people who are just sincere. I want people who are Holy Spirit feel sincere. I want people that are going to speak the things of God over my life because they heard from God, not because they have a mere opinion. Some people are not in church right now because mere opinions. And I love bad reviews. It tells me you're on the right track. Anytime you hear someone say, don't go to that church, it's crazy, the stuff they do, listen, embrace it. That tells me, man, we must be doing something right. Get behind me. I love bad reviews. Keep them coming. It's fuel for the fire. That's how I look at it. No bad review is going to wake me up at night. People's opinions, who cares? You know what I'm worried about? What does he think? I'm worried about, what does he think? Funny thing is, I told you this before, but who has time to write reviews anyways? Hey, you got to have some serious time in your hand. I will never, ever, 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 ever. Go to that restaurant again. You should see their salads. You can't make a salad yourself? The sermon, my friends, is direction and understanding. I'm telling you, man, this will save you a lot of headaches. The sermon will keep you from, wrong, from marrying the wrong person. I'm just speaking out of experience. I would have married the wrong person if I didn't have the sermon and some godly counsel around me to say, ah, oh, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> Tell me, pay attention. Is this voice from God? Is this move going to bless me long term? Is this person legit? I've been doing this long enough, man. I'm telling you, people will come to you. Hallelujah, pastor. Praise the Lord. The words are saying it's beautiful, but the spirit says, that's a snake. That's a wolf in sheep's clothing. Oh, you got to smell them. When I was a youth pastor, I used to train my young people. I said, smell the wolves. Some of them are coming just for females. Smell them. And call it out. Don't be afraid to call it out. You see a pimp in the church, you better call it out. You see someone who's coming for the wrong reasons, you better call it out. Part of your job is to call stuff out. So I'm telling you, I tell the females, I'm like, you told me about this dude and I talked to him for five minutes. All I smell is lust. Get away from him. I'm just your pastor. I can't make you do anything. But I can help you discern. And you may not want my opinion. But when you walk into this church, you became my business. Telling you, the goal of the enemy is to take you away from God's will. Or to make you miserable in the process. Discern it. Discern it. Discern his lies. Look, I'm going to share some sweet lies. I call them sweet lies because they go, they, they start good. And then it gets bitter. Sweet lies, using one of them in you right now, I guarantee you. Pay attention to these sweet lies. Watch this. No one understands you. You ever heard that lie? You are the only person that's ever gone through this. They should study you in labs because you are so unique. 
your situation is so unique. No one understands you. And then we'll begin to agree. We'll begin to say, no one understands me. It's me against the world. Meantime, the whole row of people around you, how can I help you? How can I pray for you? You don't understand. Be careful. That's a lie from the pit of hell. The goal of no one understands you is to put the hook on you to say you're a victim. You're a victim. Because if you can embrace being a victim, you will never embrace being a victor. There's nothing you're going through that someone hasn't gone through. And there's nothing you're going through that God is not aware of. So there's nothing that you cannot overcome in Jesus. Second one is nobody's perfect. You know what that is? Excuse. So you can stay in mediocrity. And you know, no one's perfect. Everybody's a hypocrite. So you know everyone. That's why I tell people. Sometimes when people say this stuff to me like, everybody's, who's everybody? Like one time I told a guy, I said, the church has about a thousand people. How many do you know? About 20, 30. I'm like, so that's everybody? That's everybody? So what I do now when people say everybody, I say, name three names. If you can't name three, how can you name 300? Be careful with that voice. No one's perfect. It's just for you to settle so you don't reach your full potential in Jesus. Yeah, you're not perfect, but man, you can grow in the knowledge of God. You can grow in the will of God. You can grow in the, in the, in the, in the, in the presence of God. You don't have to stay where you are. Every six months, you should, you should take an inventory and say, am I growing? I'm telling you, every six months, you need to grow. I have five kids. If a year from now, they all look the same, talk the same, act the same, same height, I'm worried. There's got to be a growing process. Not just physically, but spiritually. Can you say, amen? Come on, talk to me. Here's my favorite one right now that he's using. Just do you, boo-boo. Just do you. Everybody doesn't matter. Do your thing. Hey, do you. Have you heard this lately? I just need some time for me. In other words, I am the center of the universe. I, everything that God created was just for me. If you don't align with that, you're a problem. You're a hater. Right? Oh, we got haters who don't even exist because of this do you mindset. Just do you. Make the world about you. You know, one of the greatest scientific discoveries is that, is that they thought in the beginning, they said the sun revolves around the earth, but then realizing that it's actually the earth that revolves around the sun. Did you catch the spiritual analogy of that? The sun, the S-O-N is who runs the universe, not us. Oh, here's this one. As a pastor, this is driving me crazy. You need time for yourself. You don't have time for church and ministry. Really? So church is taking all your time. Maybe an hour and a half on Sunday. Maybe an hour on Wednesday. And if you, once a month you go to serve the city, that's about another two hours maybe. Oh, the church is taking my whole, it's, it's ruining my family, it's ruining my family time, it's ruining my kids. Oh, it's the church's problem. 
When are we going to discern this? So I'm going to quit the thing that's blessing my life. But I won't quit the thing that's ruining my life. If you need more time for your family, church is not one of them. You got 99 problems, but church ain't one. Trust me. The best family time is in church. Where your marriages are being healed. Your children are being taught the word of God. Don't you get away from the thing that's blessing you. Don't you cut the arm that's blessing your life. Don't you tell God, I'm not leaving this place. I'm not leaving my family away from you. I'm going to stay in the furnace of fire. Come hell or high water. My mind is made up. I belong to Jesus. My life belongs to Jesus. My family belongs to Jesus. No hell is going to take me away. That's the first thing you have to understand. After you get baptized today, you will be tested. Read your Bibles. Jesus got baptized the next moment in the desert being tempted by the devil. The devil wants to know how serious are you. And I pray tomorrow morning you get up and you remember I made a decision to follow Jesus. I'm not turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me, no matter what comes my way, my life is in Jesus' hands. Let me speak candidly as a pastor. It's breaking my heart. Seeing the devil pull away people from the church. With good intentions. I'm going to spend more time with my family. Quit everything else. But don't quit the source of your blessings. Don't quit the place that's making you who you are today. It's making your family who you are today. Please discern that voice and say, no, no, no. That can't be God. You know, Jesus even said that. He said, why would a demon cast out a demon? Y'all ain't paying attention. Why would the very thing that's blessing you now tell you to get away from it? Check your schedule. For me, in my house, everything else will go. But it won't be church. It won't be ministry. Because the more I'm in tune with God, the more he blesses my family. I've seen so many people getting pulled away from God's will. With good intention voices. I've seen guys come in here, tell the girls all the right things, and then pull them away. And as a pastor, that breaks your heart. Because we all adults, I can't make you. But man, it breaks me. Man, we work so hard to make this happen. We pray so hard, tears, to say, God, don't let one family go astray. Discern. I tell you, there's a sense of entitlement in this generation. We say, you deserve this. You know, the Bible says we only deserve one thing and we didn't get it. The Bible says we deserved hell. Jesus said, I'll take your place. I'll take your place. So be careful with that voice of entitlement. You deserve. He told David that a man after God's own heart, the greatest compliment in the Bible. He said, you deserve to rest today, David. You've done enough. You've, you've gone enough. You've ministered enough. You, you've, you've conquered enough. Relax today. And he said, guys, you go. Go do church. Go do ministry. I'm going to stay behind. The day he stayed behind was the beginning of the end. 
good intentions. I'm just going to rest. I'm just going to go on the roof. I need some fresh air. And that was the day he slept with a woman that wasn't his wife. And he created the wrong legacy for his kids. We all talk about David killing Goliath, but we don't talk about lust killing David. Because after that, it was a mess. Because whatever you embrace, you pass on to the next generation. His kids became a mess. The last 15 years of his life was terrible. Yes, God forgives, but there's consequences to when we step out of God's will. So don't just do it for you. you do it for your legacy. You don't feel like coming to church? Think about your kids. Think about the environment that they're growing up in. Because if they got to grow up somewhere, they might as well grow up in the house of God. With the people of God. With the will of God. Here's the last one. Just take some load off just this one time. You know that it's one time they got someone addicted? It's one time that someone is in a rehab facility right now. It's one time they got that girl pregnant. At 13 or 14 or 15. One time. Because all you need is a foothold. To say, now let me take the rest of your life. Be careful with one time. Because it's never one time. There's always a price to be paid. When you begin to quit, quit becomes easy. The problem is you got to discern when you need to quit. You start quitting the things of God, then you become a quitter easy. But you start quitting the things of the world, then you become a strong person in the word. I'm going along, but I need to give you this. We are most prone to temptation when these things are in place. When we're tired, angry, stressed, or sad. Trust me on that. It's when you're tired that you make all the wrong decisions. And they usually trigger each other, right? Tired makes you angry. Angry makes you resentful. They kind of play off each other. Pay attention. Stress makes you sad. And what do we do in those moments? I tell young people all the time as youth pastor, I say, listen, the most spiritual thing you can do sometimes is just go to bed. Because nothing good happens after midnight. You need to go to bed, sleep with Jesus on this thing. Put your phone away. It's when you're stressed that you want a quick fix. It's when you're sad that you just want something to make you better. But some things cannot happen overnight. Some things you want to sleep on it. Jesus told his disciples who were sleeping when he was praying. He said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He said, feed your spirit so you don't fall into temptation. In the moments of weakness. You got to fight back, church. Worship team, you can come. You got to fight back. Listen, here's what God has given you, all of us. Take authority. You're not a victim. Everything starts with your confession. Stop saying I'm not perfect. Stop saying I'm not worthy. Stop saying I tried. And take authority. Stop letting your feelings dictate what you can or cannot do. Take authority. I told you. 
Half of the gospel is forgiveness. The other half is authority. Jesus has given you authority to speak life over your situations. Life over your life. That's why I love that song. Even when the fight call, I'm going to take authority. I'm a child of God. I'm not a beggar. I'm not a mistake. Take authority. Doubt your doubts. Have you ever doubt your doubts? The thing I want to ask people is, have you ever doubted that voice that says, you need, to, you need to get away from church? Why would the Holy Spirit tell you to get away from church? Why would the Holy Spirit tell you to stop praying? Why would the Holy Spirit tell you to stop serving? Why would he do that? When he knows these are the things that's going to bless your life, doubt your doubts. What Adam and Eve should have done is, did God really say that? Wait. Are you saying that? Did God say that? Doubt your doubts. Sometimes the best way to know how to overcome, do the exact opposite of what your feelings is telling you. Because tomorrow morning you're going to get up. You're not going to feel like going to work. But what do you do? Well, I'm going to work. Why don't we do that with church? Never stop praying. That's your lifeline. Don't let them cut away the source of your life. Never stop coming to church and being around God's people. Never. Never, ever. And you got to suit up. Ephesians ends like this. He says, listen, you're in a war. So you better suit up for war. God has given you tools. Let me end here. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground. Put on the belt of truth. Truth is a weapon, not feelings. The body armor of God's righteousness, that's Jesus in you. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be able to be fully prepared. In addition to all those, hold up the shield of faith. You know, faith shields you from lies. To stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet. When you're saved, your mind gets saved. And take the sword of the spirit. This is the word of God. Who can cut through lies. Pray in the spirit of all times. And on every occasion, stay alert. And be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Put on your armor. Suit up every day. first five minutes of your day to me is one of the most important five minutes when you get up in the morning the first thing shouldn't be your phone if you go into your phone it's because you're going to read the bible verse of the day if it's not that you need to pray okay god i'm up now help me put on my armor because i know i'm in the middle of a battle here and i need to go suit up and be ready for whatever comes my way today I believe you don't have good days on accident. You have good days on purpose. I believe the way you get up and the way you go about your day is because you decided. Yes, things are going to come. Fights are going to happen. But you have your armor. Would you stand with me? I want to pray for you today. Come on, do you receive? Thanks for joining us today. If you want to connect with us, you can find us at newlifesouthcoast.com for any further information.